Welcome to the Very Pink Knits podcast, the companion podcast to the Very Pink Knits YouTube channel. I'm Stacy, and I'm here with Casey. Hi there. Casey is the media manager here at Very Pink, and she's also producing the show. If you'd like to get your knitting question on the show, just email it to podcast at verypink.com and please tell us where you're from. And if you're enjoying the ad-free show, please consider supporting it. Uh, patrons get all kinds of special perks, like a free episode every month, and we have different tiers for different levels of support. And, oh, I can't even think. We try to keep it interesting. It's a great community of people who are nice to each other and helping each other. That's a lot of the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash verypinknits for more information. And our yarn sponsor, our yarn patron is Turtle Pearl. Turtle Pearl makes our favorite self-striping identical twin sock yarns. And we have a coupon code for Turtle Pearl if you check the show notes. Uh, Casey, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. You've been traveling all over the United States. I went from the farthest east corner to the southern west, most southern west corner. <laughs> from Maine to San Diego, uh, Sa- San Diego, right? And then San Diego to New York City and then back home. But I was like, I could have gone to Europe and <laughs> I could have been in Europe by the time it took me to get to San Antonio. I mean, oh, San no Diego. kidding. San Diego, of course. It's a shorter trip, isn't it? Yeah, because it was, yeah. it was an hour. I had to take an hour to New York and then five hours from New York to LA and then a little yeah. hop from LA to San Diego. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you've been traveling a lot. We were just joking because you have stayed COVID-free from the very beginning. You've never gotten sick. Unless I had it. (laughs) I may have had it in February 2020 because I was at a pretty bad cold. We we all got pretty sick in February 2020, early March. Okay. But But that was before we had tests and stuff. mm -hmm. That was before we even knew what COVID was about. And my husband's been coughing pretty much since. So, but he got it in Europe. So who knows? Maybe I'm just... Who knows? Well, I think you're doing a great job because you're out, you know, at concerts joking, (laughs) we're totally going to get COVID. (laughs) So I have to tell you the story. We were in the front row. Some of the people who on Instagram saw my post because it was so much fun. We're on the front row of this like 80s, 90s hip hop legends. They all only had like two songs, so they couldn't have their own concert by themselves. Oh, right. Oh, they were just playing the hits. It was like Young MC and uh, Rob Bass, Sir Mix-a-Lot, and Naughty by Nature. Okay. And so Naughty by Nature sings OPP and right. gross songs like that. So <laughs> the guy, he had he had poured one out for a Tupac, and so he had a bottle of Hennessy <laughs> And so people in the aisle, down the aisle from us, like waved at some guy and got him to pour some Hennessy for them. So he was pouring it for everybody in the front row. And so we were like, we're totally getting getting (laughs) drinking out of this communal Hennessy bottle. Yes. So then I, so I really didn't get that much actually. And so then when I tested negative later in the week, I texted my friend, I'm like, naughty by nature didn't give me COVID. That like, is like, that is a text to like frame and put on the wall to remember 2022. <laughs> but also like, imagine myself in 1989 or whenever Naughty by Nature's song was out. Like, what in the world does that even mean to me in 1989? <laughs> yes. That text, that text, well, we couldn't text back then, but it wouldn't. Right. No, we could have text back then, but we had to keep hitting letters to no, our numbers even to have, make the we letters. We didn't have, no, because you had like those big giant brick car phones like I remember when I was in college I had a brick car phone thing 
Okay. I didn't even know you how know to what? work. You're right. But it was by 2003, we could text. And yeah. I even remember my ex texting me like you couldn't text emojis and stuff, but you could use like funny characters to make it look like an airplane or uh, <laughs> yeah. shrug, you know, right. things like that. <laughs> no, you're right. So that the fact that it was a text, if you could if you could send that text to yourself back in the then, past, <laughs> it, would, it wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, did you get some knitting done on the flights, at least? A little bit. I worked on my little, I've, that learned to knit Afghan is perfect plain knitting because it's just little small squares. Small pieces. Although, yeah. I don't know what I did wrong. One of them came out really big and it has, it's like you decrease, you start, you start big and then you decrease into the middle and it looks like a nipple. Like, <laughs> oh no! Will it block out? I don't know. I'm gonna try. It, it's just turned out a lot bigger than the other squares, and I don't know if I need to re-knit it. But and I don't think I missed. I I'm like looking at the pattern. I don't think I missed a row with a decrease. Well, the different the different stitch combinations can change your gauge and something yeah. like that. Well, and usually this whole thing is every every square has a different cast-on number to adjust for the stitch. The stitch, right. So it's so far, they're all coming out pretty close, well yeah. within blocking range of each other. Hold on, I'm right. going to show it to you. Oh, you want me I to keep it. talking? <laughs> oh, you wanted to show me. Okay. Oh, no, that'll block out. It's that'll nipple. totally block out. It looks like a pyramid, but it will block out. Okay, I'm going to try because it looks... But it's going to be... It's still it's, bigger Once than you the block others. it out, it's going to be really big, though. I know. I might have to redo this square. Yeah, a tighter gauge. I got a lot of knitting done um, over the weekend, just sitting because I have I have a show to share that isn't a murder show. Oh, good! For once in my life, <laughs> <laughs> this weekend I watched the entire season of Love on the Spectrum on Netflix. Oh, have I've you heard seen of that? that? Mm-hmm. It I've is seen it. so. It is such a feel good show. It is such a feel good show because it's a dating show for people who are on the autism spectrum. And you think about a dating show, you think about other dating shows, reality TV shows, and it it's all, you know, games and deception and yeah. trying to make the other person jealous. And they're, these people are just themselves, unapologetically themselves, and no one's trying to deceive or trick anyone. And they're just the whole thing just makes you feel so good about people. <laughs> the whole thing just makes you, and it's just like you're rooting for them so hard. You're rooting for them the same way that you root for people on the Great British Baking Show because oh. you just you like them and you want them to do so well. Yeah. And uh, this season takes place in the U.S. I think the first season was in Australia, and this play this one takes place in the U.S. And you just fall in love with all the people on the show and and with their families because they. Each person has such a great support system uh-huh. with, you know, their family supporting them or uh, some of the people even have um, a dating coach Aww. who's actually neurodivergent herself. And she helps them with little things like, you know, having conversations and not overwhelming the person with questions and, you know, things just yeah. normal, just how t- just helping to make the whole experience really smooth and and easy and, and build their confidence and one gal has a one gal on the show has a best friend who helps her and this gal I think her name is Caitlin she has a whole list of learning disabilities including autism and she's able to talk about them really well you know she actually works with um, autistic kids for her 
for her work. She's able to talk about her learning disabilities and everything. She knows exactly what's going on. So her best friend is sitting with her and they're looking over the menu for the restaurant that she's going to go to for her date Mm -hmm. because she has, um, what's it called? Dyslexia. So it's hard for her to focus and read a menu. So she went in there totally prepared, knowing exactly what she was going to order before she sat down. (sighs) And then you see it in action where she's at the table and she's opening the menu and you see her looking over the menu like she's reading it but you know she's not you know she's not she already knows what she's gonna order <laughs> it's so cute and um one more thing i'll say about this show is the neurotypical world could learn a thing or two about yeah. consent from the autistic uh, neurodivergent world because these people on the show i imagine it's probably is is a, a normal thing for a lot of neurodivergent folks, but um, the people on the show are so good about requesting and answering questions of consent. And I'm guessing it's because a lot of them aren't cool with a lot of touching, mm-hmm. you know, in, in different situations. And so when they first meet the person, they say, um, is it okay if I shake your hand? And the other person says, yes, it's okay if you shake my hand. I would like that. And I'm like, man. Oh, my God. What a, what a concept. <laughs> what a concept, you know. And then at the end of the date, do you enjoy hugs? Yes, I enjoy hugs. Let's hug. <laughs> wow. Like, it's all, it's not hard to do, but the neurotypical world doesn't act like that. They right. just, like, pull people in for, you know, all these things when yeah. maybe not everyone loves being touched like that. Anyway, I could go on and on because I... I so much of my weekend was full of this show and it was just so very heartwarming and sweet to watch and yeah I yeah. want another season now I mean and not it's just not a murder show not just hugging and other stuff like my kids really sensitive to loud noises and so it just has made me more conscious of what other people can and can't handle and I don't I think everybody just had been trained to just suffer <laughs> when now yeah. you can know what it can be torturous for some people I imagine it can be. There's there's one older guy on the show who wasn't diagnosed until a few years ago. And he said he was just kind of odd guy weirdo, you mm-hmm. know, because he's, he's sensitive to a lot of things and he has kind of a, a different way. He's really sweet. He has a different way of expressing himself. And he's also, um, he wears gloves all the time. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't, I don't think he likes touching things with his hands. So mm-hmm. he wears gloves all the time. And you know, I imagine when he got his diagnosis, it, you know, at 60 years old, it was like, oh, well, that makes a lot that makes of so sense. Much sense. <laughs> you know, so your son is lucky that he has parents that are that know what he's sensitive. Well, to. and now it's, it's been made such a difference in school. They let him listen to music and like drown out the noises. And he's in a school that goes K through eight. So like little children are really irritating to him. And like, yeah, they're he's also kind of doesn't like un unpredictable movements like dogs kind of unsettle him and um things like he doesn't know like if somebody's jumping around he just doesn't like that so it's too much that's been too much so they let him stay inside for recess a lot but um you know I was listening to a podcast we're totally gonna talk the whole podcast but um (laughs) Howie Howie Mandel um you know how he 
I don't know if you've seen like his early comedy stand up. He would. Oh, that's what I picture. Yeah, his old, old stuff. He's got it. He like would use a glove and he would like blow it up and stuff. He used to carry gloves around because he's got, he's super like anxious. He's got OCD. He would be afraid. He's like a germaphobe. And so he had kind of just randomly done a stand up and he happened to have his gloves in his hand and that became part of his act. It was really oh, interesting. Funny. It's really interesting to hear. I listen to a lot of shows with comedians, and they're all totally anxious, and they all have. Oh, really? They all oh, gosh. To... So it's almost like they they turn to comedy yeah. to make up for like awkwardness or something. Totally, totally. They work through stuff with it too. So it's really interesting. But anyway, you know, something I'm going to keep talking now that we've let's just keep <laughs> going. Um, something else is that the the people on the spectrum in the show, and I can't speak for all, I, I don't have a lot of experience um, being around people who are on the autistic spectrum, but the people on the show are really super literal with the way that they say things mm-hmm. and the way, um, which is great. I mean, there's like no question about what this person's thinking because it just came out of their mouth, right? They're, they're saying exactly what they're thinking. But there's one guy on the show and his parents, um, who are an older couple, they, they said to him, you know, you should really offer to pay for the first date. On the second date, you can split it or she can pay for it, but it would be really nice for you to pay, offer to pay for the first date. So on the first date, um, the check comes and he says, I would like to pay for our dinner. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, I'm happy to chip in. She's also neurodivergent. He, she says, oh, I'm happy to chip in. And he says, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Because his parents told him, like, you should offer to pay, but they didn't say. She will probably say right. that she wants to chip in, and you insist, no, 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 I will pay hey, for this. this. They only coached him up to offering to pay, and then yeah. when she... <laughs> you got to give him all the steps. <laughs> you got to give him all the, all the he And, well, she... Um, being neurodivergent herself, I think she was taking the conversation at complete face value. Right. And she knew when she offered to pay, she wasn't expecting him to be polite. I mean, the whole thing is just like, it's just so cute to watch these people just being, they're just being so kind. They're just su- such kind people with great support systems. It just makes you feel good about people. And you don't have to think about monkey pox and <laughs> midterms. And, you know, it just... It was a good weekend for me. The show That's made a good fun. weekend for me. Um, you know, we can do knitting questions or unless you want to talk about something you're reading or. Oh, the book I'm reading is too weird to talk about. Um, um... <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard you say that before. Oh, no. This book is, I mean, I'll give you just a little hint of it. It's called The Book of X. If anybody likes truly weird stuff, like I like dark, weird stuff, but this is like beyond it's it's kind of written in like prose it's not even like I mean it's a story but each chapter is like really short and then she has visions and her dad is a meat miner (laughs) so there's caves of meat it's all very like graphic okay and (laughs) I know how did you get on this book I don't know I saw a review of it somewhere and it was like this book is so revolutionary and grotesque grotesque and and moving and it's about being a woman and meat caves <laughs> so oh, okay it doesn't sound like something you'd normally read are you enjoying it well last night I was reading it and I'm like this is like next level because like if you've read any early Margaret Atwood stuff it's kind of weird and dark and 
it's kind of was giving me some vibes of that. But I don't know. I'm not loving it, but it's really interesting. Like, interesting (laughs) is a totally different style. Tell us the name again. The Book of X. Okay, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look yeah, it up even if it's just to decide. Like <laughs> you don't think I'd like it? I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm not that's all recommending it unless you're somebody who likes really weird stuff that's like just thinking, reading in it, reading it as or more like a exercise of something totally different. Well, I like all of the early Margaret Atwood stuff. Yeah. It's just really like, I mean, she's got the one, the main character has a knot in her stomach like a literal, like her stomach is literally a knot and so is her mother and the, her mother before her. And that's like a thing that keeps going through. Like you got it from your mother who got it from her mother before her. And it's like a visual knot that people can see on her stomach. It's weird. Okay. Like I need to talk to people about it. I need somebody to read it and have like a, you know, an English class discussion on it. So you can absorb everything Like what is all reading? the symbolism? What's the meat caves all about? Yeah, this is okay. <laughs> okay, I won't write it down. I'll let you decide. I mean, you can then... read it. It's a, it's kind of a short book, but I don't know if you would like it. You might hate me if I tell you to read this book. Okay, nope, nope, I won't. I would never do that. I would never do that because I can read the reviews on Audible and stuff yeah. before. Okay, well. Well, I don't know if this would be good on Audible because it's kind of a book that's written, you know, like sometimes when you're reading and they have like a passage from a, and it's hard to understand when it's on Audible. It's, it's okay. Part of it is the visual layout of the book as well. Oh, okay. That's a good point. Okay. You know, like the, her visions are all in italics. So you know that that's a vision and that's not really happening. Right. You can't hear italics in an audio book. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what? We have time for just a couple of knitting questions. Oh, we do. Okay. You're like, I'm not going to talk anymore because you brought up this weird book. You brought up this weird book and I don't like where this conversation's going. So let's just end. <laughs> All right. Um, here's a question. Hi, Stacey and Casey. You guys rock. Thanks for your awesome podcast, which I recently discovered. Casey, I love your little hello at the beginning. Aww. The two of you are so entertaining together. I'm smiling through the whole podcast. Stacy, thank you for your tutorials. You're so generous to share all your knitting knowledge for free on YouTube. My knitting is fun and progressing thanks to you. Here's my question. I'm considering two different raglan sweaters. One uses German short rows before the raglan increases and the other uses short rows after the increases before dividing the sleeves. What's the difference? Which do you prefer? As always, thank you. Rita from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hi, Rita. Okay, so Rita's asking about knitting a top-down sweater where you start, um, top-down raglan sweater, where you start at the neckline um, and I've talked about these sweaters a lot because they're my favorite way to knit, knit sweaters. And you increase for the shoulders and the top of the arms, and then you stop knitting the sleeves and finish the body and go back and knit the sleeves. Now, the increases that she's talking about, the short rows, you usually see short rows in a, I mean, they're not in all raglan sweaters, but if you're going to see short rows in a raglan sweater, they'll be at the upper back, you know, like right, right below right right at the top of the shoulders um, in the center back. And that allows for just kind of the way our bodies are and the way that a sweater fits over the shoulders and around the back of the neck. A little more height there makes the sweater fit a little bit better. So that's the kind of increases I understand. I She's saying, is it better to have those increases up where I just described or after you separate for the sleeves? Casey, can you imagine why you'd want to do short rows 
I was hoping oh, you maybe would know. for a bust. I was hoping you would know. Yeah, unless it's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm, it must be okay because I'm picturing the back of the sweater. You don't need more length there. You know, kind of um, below where a bra strap would be. Mm-hmm. You don't need that. But I imagine if the sweater was turned around and the increases were there for uh, to allow for bust, if it's a fitted sweater, maybe. I I don't know. I guess I, so. okay. I can answer her question and say that I'm going to go ahead and guess. I. I think the increases up high are a better fitting sweater. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never knit one with any kind of short row increases after you separate the sleeves. So I can, I'm guessing it's for bust because this is before he, before dividing the sleeves. Yeah, which would which would be bust. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, and I said after, but you're right before. Yeah, I guess it's for the bust. That's a good question, Rita. Um, Maybe it's. I wonder if it's written in the pattern, like, you know, sometimes in the pattern, there's a description of why you do that. Okay. I don't know. Okay. She doesn't say the name of the pattern, but um, maybe, I, maybe someone will let us know if they're, uh, if this pattern rings a bell hmm. for them. Okay, let's get another one in. All right. This is the Patreon question. Hello, divas of the knitting world. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stacey, I want to use your pattern for two socks at a time, toe up magic loop, but I have a question about the short rows. If I substitute GSR for wrap and turn, would your pattern still work? I know you have a pattern for toe up GSR socks, but I wasn't sure if I needed to make any adjustments since I want to knit both at the same time. I've knit socks before and suffer from single sock syndrome. Learning to knit two at a time would be a game changer for me. Thank you both for your entertaining and informative podcast. Deborah from Edmonds, Washington. Hi, Deborah. I lived in Edmonds for a little while. Edmonds, Washington, north of Seattle. Um, Deborah wants to know if she can substitute German short rows for the wrap and turn in um, my two-at-a-time toe-up magic loop sock pattern. Absolutely, yes. And I have a video called German short rows. It's just a video, a short technique video on German short rows. And in that video, I explain how to substitute GSR for traditional wrap and turns. And this is our second question today about short rows. And short rows are uh, a way of adding some length to uh, to your knitting without knit working all the way across the row and back. So you don't knit to the end of the row or the, or the end of beginning of the round. You're just knitting back and forth to add some extra length. And in this pattern, that's how I add, uh, that's how the the toe is worked and it's how the heel is worked. And yes, absolutely, you can substitute German short rows. Um, The count ends up being a little bit different, but it's an easy thing to work out. As long as you work the same number of wraps, it's no problem at all. I actually prefer German short rows also, and I always substitute them when I can. I don't mind Wraps and turns, though. I like traditional. Yeah. The only thing I don't, sometimes the wrap and turn, I just think GSRs look better. I think they both look good. The problem is uh, if you're working with a really fine yarn, especially mm-hmm. a dark yarn, it's hard to see how to pick up the wrap. Yeah. That's you know, true. it's hard to find that. And that's, but people do prefer GSRs. And when I started including German short rows in, in my patterns, I definitely heard from people like, wow, this changes my short row world. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Casey, we, um, we have an episode, we started recording so early today, and I haven't eaten breakfast yet. And so the end of every episode, I'm hungry for something, right? I haven't had lunch, or I haven't had breakfast, but we started early today. So um, 
I'm one step closer to eating my breakfast. Uh, if people want to find you online and see your awesome travel pics. Um, find me on Instagram, kc.nits. That's the letter K and the letter C. Very good. And if you want to find me, there is, of course, the Very Pink Knits YouTube channel and verypink.com. And I'm Very Pink Knits on Instagram. And that is it for this week. So until next week, stay warm, my friends. 